So it says Muslim women are quiet. I think it's when people look at us and we are in our scarf or we are outside, they find it difficult to approach us. So um, uh, once we start talking, then you get to know us. Like I'm generally quiet anyways, but depend who I'm with. So if I'm um, I'm with my friends, I, I speak a lot and I talk a lot, I laugh a lot. But if I'm outside, it, it's different. Sometimes I find it difficult. I don't think I'm entitled to answer this one. I'm not very quiet. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would agree. I'm not quiet at all. I can talk for Britain if I'm given the opportunity. I agree with Huma. Um, we are seen as, you know, wearing hijab. We are not approachable. We won't talk. We won't smile. So that's taken as we are quiet, but we are not. But then again, as we said, it's like, what's wrong with being quiet is the question that you see. Because in normal day life, these people sometimes are, you know, described as introverts. People who naturally, you know, want to just recline to themselves and then, you know, exist in their own bubble. So as we always said, sometimes it's not something that is wrong with a stereotype. Some stereotypes are true, but it becomes dangerous when that stereotype becomes a single story narrative where people become, you know, lazy, you can call it, to try and get to know more and different aspects of the person, but rather just go with a single stereotype. The statement is... Women cannot be leaders in Islam, only men. Okay. Can I just start off with that and say that women have a very high status in Islam. And firstly, women can actually lead prayers. So when women are praying together, women can actually be the imam and can lead women in congregation. You know, some people say, why can't women be prophets? But the same question I would throw back at somebody and say... Men don't have the opportunity to bear children and the respect a mother is given. So the mother of a prophet is given such respect that that's, that's an experience a man would never have. Hasn't it only been very, very recent, um, as in, is it uh, William? William, Prince William, who's just had his two children. Um, hasn't it just now been before the birth of his second child that the British monarchy will go to the firstborn, regardless of it, uh, whether it's a boy or a girl? But up until now, it's always gone to, the crown has always gone to the eldest-born son, unless there isn't a son. So um, this is not Islam I'm talking about. This is the British monarchy. So there's a stereotype here that um, women are owned by their husband or their family. Nobody's owned by anybody. We're all human beings. Um, in fact, it was the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that abolished slavery. Uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he used to do house chores for his wives. Uh, so this is how much respect he used to give women. So that does not prove in any way that so in a way, it's, uh, the women have been given respect and comfort. But, and also, um, if a Muslim woman is working, uh, her income uh, will be her own. So she does not have the liability to share that income with, with husband. So this is how much uh, far it goes, um, which proves that, um, yeah, women are not owned by men. <laughs> So it says they only eat curry, so <laughs> I don't think so. I haven't made curry in like a week, so <laughs> I wouldn't say we, we only eat curry. 
I think it's the personal choice. The generation is changing now. My children don't like curry anymore. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, it doesn't mean that I'm I'm a bad cook, uh, but it's mostly they are more into Western food. Uh, they just like light spaghettis or you know uh, something like that. But uh, having said that, uh, I've seen most of my British friends. They they want to eat curry. <laughs> so it's like mix of both. We we just yeah. Uh, everyone, whatever you feel like eating at that time. I think the only stipulation really in what we eat is uh, the meat itself. And so long as it's halal meat, um, that's the whether you use that halal meat in a curry or in a roast. Or I think we're living in a cosmopolitan society and we have every type of food you could possibly imagine in this country. So we can, we've got such a rich variety. We can, we're free to choose whatever we want to eat. And it's nice to have something different. I mean, I mean my parents are from Pakistan, but my favourite food is fish and chips. There's a statement here that stereotype that they have attractive elbows. Now, we've kind of hashed it out and we're thinking that the reason that this stereotype may exist is because something that is hidden might be more attractive to the onlooker. They might be wondering, oh, what's under there? As a Muslim woman, I think I would hope that people of sound judgment <laughs> would think that, okay, this woman is covered up, she's clearly a Muslim, or if the woman is covered up and she's clearly a nun, or she's covered up and she's clearly part of a different faith, like if she's wearing um, um, a wig piece, she'd be identified as um, a Jewish lady. I would hope that people would recognise those as symbolic things that would make somebody realise that they don't want to be thought of in that way or approached in a negative way. I think it's quite interesting to reiterate that why Muslim women, the fundamental reason why Muslim women cover up is not to be seen as, you know, from the point, yes, from the objective of a um, um, male's point of view. However, Muslim women, the fundamental reason why we cover it is because it symbolizes our inner relationship with God. And it's just there to, you know, show that in a it's an external symbolism of your inner spirituality. And it just shows or it goes to show that, you know, people are always going to think like this regardless, even if you're covered in a tent. <laughs> Young women are already in enough pressure to look glamorous and look beautiful all the time. So I'm glad to say that Muslim women who cover up are not under this constant, um, constant pressure and under the scrutiny of the spotlight to be judged about our appearance. And rather judging us by our appearance, we'd much rather be judged by our personalities and our characters and our good deeds. This one says um, men can't shake their hands. That's just a statement. I believe they're talking about women. Men can't shake women's hands. And um, yes um, and no at the same time. Because the whole point of shaking hands, I believe, it's, you know, to prove a cordial sort of relationship, introducing yourself and being polite about it. And what Islam provides is a much more respectful way of doing that in the sense that, of course, you can shake hands with your family and friends, people you know. However, when you come into contact with strangers or people you have not come across first, it's best to introduce yourself in the best um, possible way, which is being polite and then, you know, um, saying hello. However, you do not know where 
what what other ill feelings or what anyone might have for you on the first glance or being someone. So you do say, you know, hello, but in a much more polite way and you're not allowed to shake their hands. There are so many different ways that people greet each other. People of, of the Hindu faith join hands and they bow their head. And the Chinese do something very similar. They bow their heads as well. Now, the reason why, um, generally speaking, Muslim women don't shake hands with men is because in Islam, a woman's hand is so respected and it's it's so precious that a woman's hand is not there for every man to shake. Um, so there are different ways of showing respect. And someone might say, what is the best way to greet a Muslim woman? And that would be to, to say hello or to say peace and not necessarily make physical contact. I just wanted to add to that about Muslim women having a responsibility of not offending other people as well because we live in this country, you know, some of us are born and brought up here and we understand that multicultural society that we live in. I, I personally feel that I have a responsibility to make sure that if somebody extends their hand to greet me, that if it's going to cause offence, that I I would shake their hand and then I would probably explain why in the Islamic faith we often don't. And it's about judging the situation because we're, we're not here to cause offence to anybody and we are part of the community. And just finally, I wanted to add to that that uh, obviously men shake hands with men all the time. Women do it with women all the time as well. You know, it's not that shaking hands by... It, you know, itself is, is banned or anything. It's just, you know, when we're meeting fellow ladies, we will shake hands while we say the greeting, as-salamu alaykum. Obviously, give each other hugs as well, like me and Rabina, long time no see kind of thing. So it's not the shaking hands as an act itself that, that's not right. It's just between the, the sexes where we feel it's appropriate and where it isn't. <laughs>